So you're coming with us, right? We've got this awesome rocket. Wait till you see it. No, he can't come. What? Forget it. Oh, come on. He's my friend. I don't care. Now that we're seven episodes in, I realize we should probably uh, work in some sort of intro segment to explain who we are. I was going back and editing, I noticed we just kind of jump into it. So, uh, hi, <laughs> I'm Kevin, uh, Gemini, longtime Keyblader, first time podcaster, and this is <laughs> Kingdom Hearts by Heart, episode seven, the podcast where we play all of Kingdom Hearts from the beginning up until whatever will be the most recent game by the time we finish. That's what we're here for. That's what we love. That's what we know. That's what our hearts compel us to do. And my co-host is the the lovely, the wonderful, the ketastic Marshall. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what I can get these days. So we, uh, we're getting on in our journey. Today we will be returning to Traverse Town to, well, to do a lot of stuff. Um, but before that, why don't we take a little, take a little step into the game corner mm. to explore the lands of other video games, because, you know, Kingdom Hearts isn't the only thing we play, it's just 75% of what we play. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> so, have you been playing anything new or exciting or fun to talk about this week? Every every morning we record, I have a panic attack being like, eh, I wouldn't even say panic attack. I'm like, did I play anything this week? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine, because that's less for me to edit, so <laughs> There's continue a, to I, ignore I, yeah. the games. I have my, yeah, I have my usuals that I've been going through right now, but the one thing, I guess the one thing that's outside what we've talked about so far, or I haven't really mentioned so far is i went back and beat an old game an old game quote unquote i beat a game that i ne have never beaten before because i keep getting through most of the story and then Ooh. just stop playing it because it's a game i mostly play co-op with other people i'm playing dying light or i should I say i finished dying light i mm. the last time i played it I must have been literally in the last hour of the story and i didn't know that i was that that was basically almost done with the game is that the Mirror's Edge zombie game? Mirror's Edge or zombie game is the best way to describe it. Yep. Okay. Nice. It's really fun. It's the zombie game to play if you don't like zombie games, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, because you had mentioned earlier, it, Mirror's Edge part, it is very parkour. So there are, there are you can just parkour. avoid zombies. That's the, the fun. I, I, that's, that's, that's the fun of it. It's the Mirror's Edge. Like, I get to run around. I get to parkour. I get to climb. And grapple on stuff. There, I mean, you do have to fight the zombies, but it's not like I have to get from point A to like I think of Dead Rising as like, all right, point A to point B. I'm gonna have to run through a crowd of zombies to get where I want to go, uh, and that can be fun or it can also be really annoying. In Dying Light, you can just say bye and just like run on rooftops and get where you need to go. But the movement is really really fun, and 
I oh this is I think this is my third time playing. Like I did the same thing of like playing most of the game, putting it down, losing the mm-hmm. same file, coming back, playing most of the game, doing the same thing, and now I've finally beaten it. So uh, and I recommend it. It's really good. It's probably probably gonna it's probably a game that goes on sale kind of frequently. Oh for sure. It's, it's tw- from twenty fifteen, I believe. Yes. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny in my head because. The, the Dead Island crew made Dying Light. Dead Island 2 was announced in 2017, and that was delayed indefinitely. And then Dying Light 2 was announced at E3 2018, and very similarly, like, we have, we have heard... Yeah, I was squat. trying to remember if Dead Island or Dying Light 2 is a thing, so I feel like it was, but I also feel like it should have been out by now, so... Alright, that makes sense. So what have you been playing? Yeah, so no shocker, I'm still playing Dicey Dungeons, and the past few times I've talked about it, I keep forgetting to mention there's a Kingdom Hearts reference in the game. So, there's an enemy called the Keymaster, and his moves, all of his attacks are called Keyblade, which is very neat. So, what it does is um, they start out locked, and then you have to place a dice to unlock them, and then from after that, they're permanently unlocked, and then... Once it's unlocked, then you'll place a dice to use the attack, but each one requires a different value. So you'll have your your one attack, your two attack, your three attack, etc. So it's all based on um you know which dice you roll. But after you use it, you then get a new dice. So the whole idea is you can just it's kind of like an avalanche where if you get the right rolls, it'll just keep attacking basically, which can be very annoying. But yeah, yeah. it's called Keyblade, and he's got like little keys. On his eyes, like the skeleton keys and then the holes are like where his little eye holes go. It's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, I think my time might be wrapping up with it. I've sort of hit a brick wall. So I've completed the first three episodes for each character. And then the last three are where things are really getting tough. So I'm going in order. Like I'll do episode three for every character, then episode four for every character instead of just doing all the characters episodes in one go. So yeah. I got episode four with the first three characters, but then I hit the witch and I looked it up to see if anyone else was having trouble. And apparently she's just not that good. And uh, I read that the developers added a patch to kind of buff her, but, and that was like in 2019, but I'm still having trouble with her. So maybe I'm just not a real, a real dicer, if you will. <laughs> Because we're not going to say gamer anymore. But um, her whole gimmick is she has a spell book where you put in your attacks uh, before the battle. So you'll know yep. like what you're going to get. And then you have to... You assign them to like uh, slots one through six. So that you have to spend a dice to get the opportunity to use the attack. And then after that, you have to actually place a dice to use it. So she really burns through dice quickly, and she's very slow to start. So, you know, you're trying to get set up, but also in episode four is when all the enemies are upgraded, so they're doing a lot more damage. So it's just really frustrating, because just in general, her playstyle is very slow, and you'll get bopped before you can really do anything. (laughs) So I've tried probably at least five times now, but I, I decided to just skip her for now, and I went to the... um. The next character who, so far, I'm having a much smoother time with. So we'll see. Maybe I'll just kind of ignore Witch for now. But yeah, even still, it's been about three weeks going on. So 
it's you know it's a really good game obviously highly recommend it but <laughs> i do feel the winds of change calling me and i'm also very bitter because they announced that the playstation plus games for march or at least the one everyone cares about is final fantasy 7 remake <laughs> i just bought it like two or three weeks ago for 30 bucks and I haven't even played it yet, so if I had just waited, I could have been playing it for free. So I guess I guess I'll start playing that pretty soon here now, just out of yes. out of bitterness. And... Well, because there's a lot of stuff I should say debacle happening. I read that, and I like you know, I verified what I'm about to say uh, because. <clears throat> Uh, during this, uh, the most recent uh, PlayStation State of Play, they mentioned they came out with Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which is basically the Uf- just call it the Yuffie DLC because that's literally what it is. That's a bad name. Yeah, I well also I have, I have bad eyesight, so literally I couldn't see the word yeah on the screen. Same so thing. I, I was like I, I, had to, read it. I did the old man thing of like leaning forward and like what's that right there. <laughs> No, it was just a bad design. Like, the coloring was, like, off, and, like, you couldn't actually see what the first half of it was. Okay, yeah. But, <sighs> so, very quickly, Intergrade is going to be a PS5-only DLC mm-hmm. for a remake, and, of course, 7 Remake is coming to the PS5. I will say the good thing is that if you own the disc version, I believe, of... Well, I think it's either version. As long as you have the digital or the disc version of Remake on yeah. PS4. You get it for free on PS5, but if you get the PS Plus free version, you don't get the free PS5 upgrade, which just adds more fuel to the fire, I think. <laughs> but who's going to be getting a PS5 anytime soon? That's, that's my the question. Thing. That, that's why I'm kind of salty about it. Because, I mean, in a different day and age, this is the usual, oh, we want you to buy the latest console Here's a little incentive, obviously, to buy the, I, I was about to say next gen, but slash current gen, buy our new shiny thing. That's what yep. I'll call it. But we live in a day and age where it's hard to keep those on the shelves and we're in the middle of pandemics. Everything's screwed up. Yeah, like usually with a new console, there's like a grace period of a year or two where you could still play between either console. Like if FF7 Remake was a PS5 exclusive from the beginning, then sure. But the fact that most people will have it on, you know, PS4 or whatever console, and then they're just kind of gating off behind this really yeah. hard to get $500 machine is, eh, it's not exactly. Great. So it. Uh... <laughs> Literally, as we're recording this, everyone up to this point who has played Remake has played it on a PS4 because it's only currently available. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even out on PS5 yet, so. All right, I think that covers it for this week's Game Corner. And now, normally, although we only just started doing this last week, but we would then move on to a Disney discussion of the, um, the world we're going to explore, but we're back in Traverse Town, so there isn't really any... Disney. I guess we could do the Dalmatians, but I was, I was okay. I was gonna go. I was gonna go the Ducktales route, but I feel like the Dal. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You have options. Yeah, uh, true. I've been meaning to watch the new Ducktales because I hear it's really good, and it also just ended. So that's yes. cool that it's not like eighteen seasons. Yep, I've seen a lot of clips of it, and it looks really fun. Yeah, 
I guess I, I won't go into details, but yeah, it, I, I did watch the pilot because the pilot was free when it when it first came out. It's like here, watch this, and I I did like it. I just yeah. didn't have Disney at the time, so I couldn't continue to watch it. Hmm. Yeah, I I've also seen just the first episode, and it's pretty cute from what I've seen in terms of OG Ducktales. As I may have mentioned before, I didn't have Disney Channel as a kid, so most of that whole realm is foreign to me. But I do remember renting the DuckTales movie from my local library a few times as a kid. Um, Don't really remember anything about it, but I do remember liking it. And yeah, that's 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 pretty much as far as my DuckTales knowledge goes. (laughs) (laughs) I we also didn't have Disney Channel growing up. I remember there's a show that I cannot remember for the life of me that was on Disney Channel. And... I had my, one of my mom's friend taped it a lot. I don't, I don't remember why specifically. Like, I can't even remember the name of the show to be completely, to be completely honest with you. But right, let's, let's get yeah, some character I, I descriptions. Just, so actually I'm looking up right now. <laughs> what was it about? So the show, it's about a, I saw so I, I just typed into Google, uh, Disney show Animal Cop. Bonkers. Uh, my first, my first result is the uh, adorable uh, cheetah or leopard from Zootopia, and then I find the thing I'm looking for. It's a show called Bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had that same exact experience, except not same exact, but pretty close. Where, yeah, I remember just no- recognizing that character, but not knowing it was really from a show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of, apparently, I just went on his wiki page. Bonkers D Bobcat for the for the uninitiated. Uh, he's got it's, it, it lists appearances, and one of them is in Ducktales 2017. So we've come full circle. Ooh, yeah, that's one thing I like about the newer show is it's the Ducktales cinematic universe where like it kind of brings in other like Disney shows of that time. So that's really cute because I know it also has like a Darkwing Duck kind of thing going on, and I've always liked I've always liked the cut of his jib. But again, mm-hmm. never really watched the show, but exact I, same. I appreciate exact same it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, the question of Disney Channel shows uh, coming to Kingdom Hearts has always been like a thing, mm-hmm. but I think they could totally do it because, um, yeah, Huey, Dewey, Louie are just I mean, I guess they were in like the older cartoons, but they're mostly known for, yeah, like DuckTales, Duck same Tales, with Uncle yeah. Scrooge. If you can do uh the Three Musketeers straight to DVD movie. I think you can do <laughs> the beloved Disney Afternoon block. Like, come on, that'd be a nice <laughs> spin-off game. Methinks of like just so, the sir. the TV show properties. Goofy movie world win. Every every world is a goofy movie world when you never <laughs> take Goofy out of your party. <laughs> uh, but. Enough fantasizing about what could be, and let's appreciate what's right in front of us, and get mm-hmm. to the world discussion proper. I'm actually not sure how to structure this episode, because this revisit is very loosey-goosey in terms of what you want to do and when. So, <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk more about that as we kind of go along. But yeah, I guess we should just kind of take it, like, area by area? <laughs> yeah... We're gonna. I guess. We'll, I guess the. We'll slowly work our way through the story, but there'll be a lot of. We're gonna. We're gonna stop here. We're gonna park here. We're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> we're gonna move five feet. 
We're going to park here. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, the Traverse Town Revisit is definitely oddly, very oddly structured. Yeah, like almost confusing, dare I say. Yeah, Mike, I'm looking at my notes now. They're they're entirely out of order because the world itself is also kind of out of order. Yeah, like I didn't know where to put what and like what would make sense. So, yep. Let's just start with the good old first district, because um, there's a few things of note, of course. So, uh, I think right off the bat, now that you have Blizzard, unless, you know, you came back to Traverse Town, but if you're doing it the right way, uh, you can finally put out those candles and open the chest to get a defense up. Um, So yeah, just some nice environmental puzzles that, again... You do not see in other Kingdom Hearts games nearly enough, especially, like, specifically magic puzzles and using that yeah. in the environment. Um, there are a few other ways you'll do that in Traverse Town that we'll get to later, but, yeah, just a cool touch. And after that, you can go to the item shop, and you get... You, you do have a few new weapons for Donald Goofy, which yeah. I bought. Um, but they're not great. They're, they essentially have two branching paths. Yeah. Which I always kind of liked. I'm trying I'm trying to like reference what I'm doing this playthrough with older playthroughs and <clears throat> so I, I guess to 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 talk about it obviously. Donald has a line of I guess regular magic staffs, but then also magic staffs where he gets less MP, but his attack power is probably more on par or more close to Sora and Goofy, which is downright useless. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? I want to, like, if you want a defensive Donald. Yeah, but you're you're limiting his potential so much. <laughs> Donald, switch all magic to rarely use and just have him be a melee class. Yeah, just just thwack things, and like, it's not like he gets any special moves that are just physical. So, it's yeah, dumb. <laughs> I think it's got its usefulness. I mean, unfortunately, it is minus one MP, so he's gonna run out of magic quick and then start batching in. But when he does run out of MP anyway, he's just going to start bashing enemies. But I think... I I'm, mean, I, I've never really done it, so maybe maybe it's useful. That'd be an interesting uh, yeah. build I mean, it's for useful. It's, it's useful in the aspect of you're going to do most of the work anyway. True, but like, again, we've talked about how Donald's actually... Like, his magic is very good early game. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, yeah, like at the... You know, like in a tournament fight, like he can just take out every enemy for a shot with Thunder Blizzard, depending on his level. So I think he's more useful in that area than Goofy in terms of taking out enemies. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe he can get really strong if you, you know, give him the right build. But it's definitely something you only do during your playthrough. And once you've hit post game, I'll call it, you definitely switch to because at that point there are weapons you can get that are on par with the Warhammers. But they're regular wands, so there's no negative uh, magic. There's no magic penalty. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more of an aesthetic thing where, like, the hammers look cool. So, like, I would use them when I was younger, but then I didn't really pay attention to, like, oh, they're sapping his magic from him. So. Yep. But yeah. And then Goofy has. I still don't really understand how Goofy shields work, but yeah, he's also got the offensive shields, but then the defensive shields which are bigger, so I guess that means that he has more opportunity to deflect attacks. Yes, I had to, I had to look into this to remind myself this time, because I was also in the same realm of, what's the actual difference? And yeah, 
Goofy's uh, offensive shields are really like they're all really small. They're really, like the size of his fist. Yeah. So he's not going to deflect a whole lot. Bink. Uh, but they have increased attack power, you know, compared to the other shields. Mm-hmm. And then, then yeah, his defensive shields are pretty big, but the attack power is pretty minimal. I think the first defensive shield you get is the same attack power as the night shield. This is default weapon. So it's kind of yeah. like, eh, which, which route do you choose, basically? Yeah, same for Donald. Like, you get the Morning Star because it says it enhances his magic, but it it literally doesn't. <laughs> it's the same magic stat, so... Exactly. I think it has, like, one more attack power, but yeah, it doesn't really enhance... I think it's more of, like, an, like flavor text as opposed to, like, a description. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't even have, like, plus, plus one MP or anything. Most of the time, I just ignore the shop weapons, because all their late game weapons can all be accessed or unlocked, like, through, like, ways other than buying them. True. For the playthrough, I've been buying stuff. Okay. But yeah, while you are at the shop, there's an interesting dialogue where I think it's um Dewey, who is the blue one, Dewey, as in water, blue. Um, he, he actually calls out Uncle Donald. <laughs> like he says, why don't you help us run the shop or clean the shop or something? But <laughs> it's just like this weird throwaway line where like neither Donald or Sora or Goofy really respond or acknowledge that yes this is donald's relative <laughs> they're just like oh okay cool because i don't think they've ever like actually had a scene where donald talks to his nephews i'm trying to think of in kh1 100 percent not i'm yeah. thinking of two you have interactions with scrooge but i think that's it yep so why don't we mosey on over to the accessory shop uh, yeah. and talk to papa sid who i know you had uh, something you wanted to talk about with him way back at the first visit, but we kind of pushed it off till now. So why don't you why don't you take it? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get in this now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk to Sid. He 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 mentions a hey, kid. You got some weird gummies over there, and he tells he tells you to come back later once he opens his real shop behind yep. the store. It's only open between midnight and four in the morning, and you can't tell anybody <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sid knows a lot about gummies, because in Seven, he is a space engineer, and I just love the fact that he is basically the equivalent of like a gummy engineer in this universe. Uh, yeah, I guess I never really noticed that, because I hadn't played <sighs> Seven. But what about his um his outfit? What do we think of that? Because <laughs> I know the all the Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy characters kind of got redesigns, some more drastic than others, and Sid's kind of sticks out to me. Sid's is like a huge downgrade, in my opinion. Yeah, like it changes his whole vibe, really. Yeah, I I don't understand. So, probably him and Yuffie, I guess Leon a little bit, have very similar, but not exactly, outfits. So for Sid... His looks, comparing Seven to this, it looks pretty similar. Minus, he loses, he has like a blue jacket or like, yeah, a blue like short sleeve jacket he wears over his white shirt. So he took that off because apparently it's too hot in Traverse Town. And he got the, I'm not sure, I haven't, I look again, I'm not sure if it's the pants or just the weird like waistline. Yeah, I don't but know what's going on But he's got this weird that. like... He's got this weird new like like pant line and I, the I Aladdin belt. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's got like a poof. He got this poofy belt waistline type of deal going on, and 
Uh, it makes it more laid back, and I, I guess if I'm looking at the designs of FF7 Advent Children, he has kind of a similar, but not really. He take but it's not, it's not this at least. Yeah, <laughs> like I always got the vibe, like a beachy vibe from him based on his look. Like you can just imagine him like sitting in like a recliner, soaking up the rays. Yeah, I'm not sure this was supposed to be casual, Sid, or not. But I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this this change in clothing if it's meant to be casual i kind of see it but if if you try to say any if you try to justify it in another way i'm like no this making no sense to me <laughs> so fashion aside um yeah he gives you a bunch of objectives so he will i'm trying to even remember if this is actually what happens <laughs> but he'll give you the old book <laughs> yes you'll hear the bell ring and it'll tell you to check it out, but only after you return my book, damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I think he also... Does he tell you to... Yeah, he'll install the Navi G piece. But yeah, come see him at a shop, but only after you deliver this book. Yes. And between checking out the bell... So basically beat the world and Sid will do you a favor. <laughs> yeah, so um, Sid kind of tells you to go deliver the old book at... To like... Which is in the third district uh, mm. behind the fire door, but also... I'm trying to think. It's it's like completely separate from going to see Leon and Aerith and uh, uh, I forget the name. Correct. The, un- the passage. Uh, under- yeah, underground passage. Yeah. So why don't we just go over and check them out while we're at it? So yeah, you have Red Red Trinity now, and for any eagle-eyed players, uh, there was a Red Trinity mark right in front of the fence in that little alley that Sora woke up in when he first showed up in Traverse Town. Um, so you can go do that and you'll get a treasure chest, which if I remember correctly, was some Dalmatian pups. I believe so. Yeah. But it leads to the actual alleyway, but you can't get to it because there's a bunch of crates stacked up. (laughs) So that's kind of annoying. But once you go around and get back to the, the alley through, um, the second district, there's yet another red trendy mark, uh, in the little waterway right in front of the bars. Um, and I don't... I didn't take a close enough look, but I don't know if it's just this Trinity in particular or all the Red Trinities, but have you noticed that they have a weird stroke? Like, the outline is much darker than, Mm. like, the fill, if you will? (laughs) I I haven't really noticed it. I'll have to... Next time I see a Red Trinity, which I don't think is... I don't remember. There's not that many, many. yeah. I think there's four in the whole game, or maybe that's White Trinity. One of them is, like, very, very low. So there's one here... I think there's maybe one in Agrabah. Well, there's two here. There's one. There's the. There's two we just mentioned, actually. Yep. And one in Agrabah are the the three that come to mind. I feel like there's only one more besides those. There's the one in Halloween Town, which is kind of infamous. Oh yes, 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 yes. But yeah, I don't know if it's just this one in particular because it's underwater, so you might not notice it if it doesn't kind of have more of a contrast. Because all the other colors, they're just a solid, you know, green blue yellow but mm-hmm. this one just had that weird outline and it's always kind of stuck out to me because it's one of those things where i can't remember has it always been like this or is this just a final mix thing or uh you exactly, know yeah. 1.5 thing but once you use it the team kind of does their little wario shoulder bash you get access to the underwater passage which is where you'll meet leon and Aerith. and apparently Aerith enjoys spending her days just watching leon do a series of really lame sword swipes. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's great, Leon. You're doing great, sweetheart. Keep it up. <laughs> so yeah, you go and chitty chat with them, and they also have some objectives for you. I guess, so if you go to them before Sid, Aerith will point you to his direction because he knows about gummies, whereas Leon does not. <laughs> it's also building off of he doesn't know what the the earth shine, the summon gem is. So Leon's just taking L's left and right. But yeah, you do get that. Wonder what it could be. So that's that's pretty much it in terms of what these two lamers have to offer Unless I'm missing something. No, I think we had all the points. Yeah, I will say I um I really like this room, the underground passage, just because it's like all like spooky, but like kind of magical and mysterious and strange. Just like the vibe. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will also. I mean, there's we're we're about to go in a way we can come back to the underground passage, but there is a yep. a treasure chest. I don't think I noticed when I was young playing the game at the yeah. top of the stairs. Uh, no, it's at the bottom. It's, like, right next to the, the doorway. Is it? Okay. Either way, like, it's, like, slightly out of view sometimes. Yeah, there was another one of those um, where, like, it's kind of hiding in plain sight. It's a chest in the second district on top of the the roof of the building you can get to from, like, the bell tower. And there's just a treasure chest kind of hanging, like, on the side next to, like, the window awning and... Like, if you don't turn around, like, you'll just kind of miss it. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And, yeah, like you said, it's annoying because this is, like, this would have connected to where you'll eventually go very easily if they had just kind of structured the goals in a more purposeful way. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go back to explore the rest of the town. I guess we visit the pups collect our rewards oh sure yeah so now that you've you know you got a few worlds under your belt you're bound to have picked up some puppies and you can go and return them although it's kind of i guess they just return automatically but you can go to the dalmatians den to um get your rewards from old pongo and perdita and again this has always been pretty underwhelming for me because most of their gifts are gummy pieces and i don't care about the gummy ship bittersweet they're yeah, like how? Why do these dogs have all these spaceship parts? Are they just they're stealing? rich? Don't you know? <laughs> Are they like stealing from Sid Shop? <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm gonna look up what the Dalmatian rewards are. But you are correct; most of them are gummy pieces. Yeah, there are a few sprinkled between, which are much more useful. But for now, the all I got was gummy pieces. There's a torn page, maybe some mithril, and some, yep. like, synthesis material, which we'll get to towards yeah. the end once we get to the... Well, we'll talk about synthesis later on. I always liked the Dalmatians as a collectible, though. Like, I like how it's another way to work in a Disney movie, which is clever. And, you know, it's just more satisfying than just, like, a generic sticker from two. So, yeah, there was always that motivation there. And you can also, like, you literally see... The fruits of your labor, because as you collect the puppies, they, like, actually populate in the Dalmatian house. So, mm-hmm. like, it'll go from no puppies to, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one-to-one. Like, you know, when you say 30 puppies, there'll be 30 puppies in the house and so on and so forth. Yes, correct. And, of course, you get the the best boy, the little puppy that will follow you around. Did, is there one that follows you around? Yes. What do you mean? I just... <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed that. Well, because oh most, mind you, there are there are four there are four four total rooms in the Dalmatian house, but I, I really don't have incentive to go past the first room. 
So I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't really walked around besides here's your reward, uh, small child, for finding okay. my children. So you have no soul. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's not new. <laughs> so I think it's the third room, like after you go through the Pongo and Perdita room. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember the names off the top of my head. But um, yeah, there's a little puppy who will follow you around. And I, I think he'll follow you in between rooms if you let him catch up to you close enough to the exit. Yeah, he's adorable, and it really makes you feel good. Then maybe I'll have to visit this striking young lad when I go back. <laughs> yeah. It's cool how it's kind of like a world within a world, because like the, the different rooms are very much stylized after the actual 101 Dalmatians um, yes. movie. So that's neat. I do think it's funny how apparently Donald and Goofy don't get puppy privileges, because they don't show up yeah. for some reason. I guess they just wait outside. <laughs> See, they're, an- the, they're animals, so if they interacted with the puppies, there'd be some shenanigans afoot, obviously. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like because the rooms are so small and there's already all these other character models, maybe it would just be too much to have Donald and Goofy there, but... Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. Let's take a step out of the Dalmatian den, and I would like to talk about the hotel. Okay. Because there's some things happening there. So the whole like painting puzzle slash clock puzzle thing is very confusing because the um first of all there's this strange voice behind the like check-in desk that it's just a disembodied voice. It'll say like paintings are great. We have an art gallery going on, but then it'll also say something like something good might happen if you hit the clock in the room. So like it suggests that the clock and the paintings are tied together. And then if you actually examine the paintings, they'll all have some sort of... Well, not all of them, but I think all of them in the green room, at least. They'll have a reference to a time. So, like, midday jungle or night on Bald Mountain. So, it like, in my head as a kid, I always thought that, okay, I have to set the clock to a certain time. They'll then go examine the painting that matches that time, and then I'll get, like, an item. But no, you just hit the clock a few times and then you just get an item, like a chest will appear. They're completely separate. That's basically it. Yeah, so like the way that this whole area is arranged is, it makes it seem like there's a lot more going on than there is. And I I kind of don't like it. Aren't all the paintings a reference to a world we'll go to? Yes, I had a note of that. Um, So I don't, I don't know if all of them are. Definitely the ones in the green room. Um, so like I mentioned, there's one that's literally called Night on Bald Mountain, which it's not a world, but it is a direct reference to something much later in the game. Mm. And there is one that's called Midday Jungle, which if you look at it, it looks very much like the view from when, uh, you're looking at the falls after Kerchak eats you. I forget what other ones there are. I really want to know if the other rooms, specifically the blue room, were like cut content. Because they look very much like they were designed to be something, but you can't actually go into them. But, like, that would have made sense, right, to have the blue room, the green room, the red room, and then there's kind of, like, a brown room that seems, like, desert-themed. They're so tantalizing. That's pretty much it for Hotel. Uh, why, why don't you pick your summer vacation? <laughs> I do want to talk about the gizmo shop, but I I would I would say there's not too much to it besides i just like the aesthetic of the gizmo shop oh yeah it's great the gizmo shop is confusing because first of all the puzzle (laughs) puzzle quote unquote um you activate it by 
turning on using thunder on the like wires in the third district. Yep. But I think after you activate it, there's no indication that oh something happened in the gizmo shop. So you just gotta kind of know. You just get you get the usual jingle. Yes. But you don't know what has activated whatsoever. <laughs> yep. So then you go to the gizmo shop and then you can climb on to like the upper level and you step on all the little switches. And then you'll get another one of those little Zelda cues. And then, again, there's no indication of, like, what just happened. So. Exactly. I, I like, I actually had to Google it because I couldn't remember. But, yeah. <laughs> After that, you can examine the clock, which I thought that was it. And I even went and looked, but it, like, didn't show the prompt. But maybe I wasn't in the right spot. You can take a look and you'll get two new postcards. That's pretty much it for Gizmo. Godlike aesthetic. Mainly a grinding spot because there's a bunch of stuff that spawns if you just beat up everything that shows up. Yeah, exactly. Um, be careful because you can easily die on like the last wave or two and then you have to start over. So don't don't speaking, get too cocky, kids. Speaking from experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. He says the person playing proud mode, so understandable. <laughs> yes. I guess if you step right outside the gizmo shop. There's that damn ladder, which, again, I couldn't even tell you what activates that. So usually the ladder is on the opposite wall and you can't climb it. But then something happens where it moves to the other wall and then you can climb it. I went there first, even before talking to Sid. And yeah, the ladder was there, like in the spot where you can climb it. It's in the right spot, correct? Yeah. So during the initial Traverse Town... I went to the gizmo shop because I knew enemies would spawn there. I could just get some grinding, have some fun, mm-hmm. and then just to verify that the ladder wasn't in place, and it was not in place. You go, and it's on the opposite wall. Yep. And when I beat Traverse Town, I went back around, because we have Trinities, you have Fire, to get some things done. Yep. I don't believe... It might go back once you've beaten Traverse Town, because I do remember coming back either during either during my final walk around before I went to Wonderland, or when I came back or passed back through, the ladder was in place. So it's definitely mm-hmm. in place way before you can actually get to the bell, because the bell requires Red Trinity. Yeah, like, I don't understand why it's not in the right place to begin with, because, yeah, the the Red Trinity, like, you can't do anything with it anyway. Yeah, if you were to wander up here, you'd just be like, ah, can't do this. Oh, well. Yeah, it's weird. And then... <laughs> Even then, after you climb the ladder, you have our Trinity. For some reason, the game just arbitrarily sticks a bunch of crates in front of, like, the fence. So you can't even use the Trinity, which is just very weird. I don't know why they would do that. Just a weird blockade for, like... Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that Yeah. earlier. That's annoying. I guess... Okay, no, there is a reason. But it's stupid. <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> So like I said, I went and checked out the whole bell situation before I talked to anyone, and there's the crate. Then, when you go talk to um, Aerith, they also mentioned the keyholes. I guess that was the one thing we were forgetting uh, when we talked to them. But they explain what keyholes are. And, um, yes. I will say, I do like how when they say, Sora, you have to do this, he's kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and it kind of shows he's still... Ultimately, he's still just a kid looking for his friends. Like, he's not really interested in this this hero biz. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but eventually he's like, yeah, all right, why not? So I guess I guess what their aim was, they didn't want you locking the Traverse Town keyhole until 
Aerith told you what a keyhole was, probably because they didn't want to come up with new dialogue for if you lock it and then talk to them, because they like they'll ask you to find the Traverse Town keyhole. That's probably mm-hmm. what they were going for. But again, another sign of just how weird this second visit is designed. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another way to describe it or to add to it, but just yeah, it's it's a weird it's a like weird amalgamation blob of a world. Well, of every visit, I should say. Yeah, it's, like, very similar to Deep Jungle, I would say, where, like, you don't really know where to go next, but at least Traverse Town, the layout is in a way where, like, you know, you can go to all these different pockets of places and you'll do something, right? Like, whether yeah. it's the Dalmatians or, you know, checking out that fire door or using the Red Trinity on the bell, like, usually, like, because there's all these kind of different objectives, you can make progress, Kind of no matter where you decide to go, but yeah, I'm not sure if I like how kind of open-ended it is, open-ended it is or if it's annoying. I, I guess it's like, because there is so much you can do now that you have like Red Trinity and other stuff, I guess it's just kind of a way to encourage you to just keep exploring, but I, I feel like they could have gone at it a better way. So yeah, what what did you do next? Trying to think, it probably just did the story, which means basically going to third district. Oh, I, I will also admit that I went to the fire door before I left Traverse Town in the first place. The fire door, fire door. Yeah, you can totally do that, and then you'll go to the um the old abandoned house, and there's just nothing there. I think they have a Kyrie flashback. Well, not even a flashback, really. No, I mean, Vision, like, I guess? the first visit, like, after you get fire, like, nothing will happen. In the second visit, yeah, you'll get a fi- uh, Kyrie vision quest. I like how they have all these little nods to kind of what's going on with Kyrie. Like, they kind of keep it top of mind. Like, hey, you gotta find your friend. And hey, yeah. for some reason, you keep seeing her. What's going on? Who could know? Well, uh, to, to go back really quickly, I went here before I left Traverse Town. You still get the Merlin cutscene. The first time you go into the abandoned house, you just get Merlin. No matter what time, what, no matter when you get it, as long as you go in, you still have your vision quest. And then he's just like, oh, hello there. Really? Nope. I could have sworn I went in and nothing happened, but maybe I'm having a, a Mandela effect moment. <laughs> so, no matter what, well, you obviously, you obviously need fire to get through it. You see Kyrie, Merlin shows up, Merlin um, repacks his house, I guess. Magic Arena still opens up, the fairy godmother opens up, but you have nothing for her, so she doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you still, and there is no old book. But because we're de- yep. we're about to deliver the old book, <laughs> just yeah. yeah, like that's kind of the main reason you'll want to go there. But yeah, I love how when Merlin shows up, Sora immediately asks, "Are you heartless?" <laughs> <laughs> like, why? What about this old wizard makes you think he's a heartless? Because <laughs> he's got magic, right? Well, actually, he doesn't even do magic. He just shows up, and he's like, "Hello." It's like are you a heart <laughs> doesn't even like battle ready like are you a heartless just like hey 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 you a heartless <laughs> yeah he does his little skedaddle animation it's very fun and whimsical but yeah the king's the king's linkedin must be stacked because he's got connections everywhere oh you know everybody so he gives him the task of um teaching sora magic quote but merlin's completely useless in my book like <laughs> He even says that much. He says something like, oh, I wish I could help more. And I'm just like, well, at least you're self-aware. He, yeah, he doesn't really teach you magic. I guess of just being a magic arena 
essentially is Merlin's main. Yeah, but like even that, like, okay, you you can go upstairs and you can fight his furniture, and you'll have unlimited magic, which is cool. But like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who's actually going there to just spam magic on just furniture? Like, there's no real point to it. Eh, if you want to test stuff out. I think it is useful, but I think it's really underutilized. But what's what is there to test out? Like it's not Your like spells. But what Kingdom Hearts one magic's not complicated. No. Well, it's not like you can like chain them together or anything. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah, I mean it's a nice way to test something out before you take it into the field, or you can just fucking learn by trial and error. Yeah. But there's no risk to just taking it out to the field. Like okay, go use your spell. Go to save point, get your MP back. Mm-hmm. It should have been, and I feel like it would have been this if it was like any other Kingdom Hearts game, it should have been like kind of a mini game, right? Or like a mission where like complete these magic challenges, like defeat these mini enemies using Blizzard. But like, oh, like you actually have a limited amount of MP. So you would have to like use it, like you'd have to like position yourself in the right way and, you know, be strategic with your casting. Yeah. Like, give an actual goal to it, you know, and, like, a reward. Yeah, I feel like there should be some use at, well, wish there could be some use out of it, yeah. I guess it would be useful for, um, testing out summons, I guess. <laughs> That's what are... I mostly use it for. Yeah, it like... For, I think every summon, really. Mm -hmm. There's one in particular, there's the passive summon that I got very confused about when I was young, and he does nothing in the magic arena. Because it just increases your oh, drop true. rates. Yeah, there's a little more going on with them. So I guess in that sense it's handy. But it could have been really easy just to have Merlin, you know, give you a new spell. Right? Like, wouldn't that have made too much sense? <laughs> like, you get gravity from the fill cup. But that yes. that would have made way more sense as, like, Merlin teaching you. Like, hey, here's this high level spell. Let me teach you. Yeah, because get gravity in the fill cup which opens up right after we complete this we seal Traverse Town yeah but yeah it would have been nice to get something besides hello I'm here to help you out either like a spell upgrade or a piece of equipment or something something would have been yes. nice as opposed to just like hello there he does have some fancy fancy prizes for you later in the game which we'll get to those yes as we get to them um, but yeah for now you just you, you give him the book the the book the book <laughs> and yes. you can visit it but spoiler it's the Winnie the Pooh book we will be covering Hundred Acre Wood later on all in one shot after we collect all the pages exactly stay tuned for everyone's favorite world <laughs> <laughs> it's a world all right <laughs> <laughs> but you can uh, get the the fairy godmother did do her bibbity bobbity boo on Earthshine to get <gasps> Simba. Yes, a summon that lasts 10 seconds, maybe. But you do get your very first summon, which is always exciting. I think I like Kingdom Hearts 1's um, story justification for summons the best out of the whole series. Yeah, it literally ties into the plot. The other ones are just like, hey kid, have this? Yeah, like, there are a lot of different ways where the series kind of has to write itself out of a hole after the first one because so much of the different plot elements are based on the like heartless crisis 
yeah, this is another one of those casualties where I feel like it's much less interesting after the first game, where it's just kind of like a random, all right, you have someone now. In this first game, all the summons are characters with strong hearts who lived on basically as summon gems. Although it is interesting to note the difference between, you know, characters who become summon gems and characters who will eventually make it to Traverse Town, like how Sora did. But the, the heartless work in mysterious ways. My first thought is that they are all non-humanoids? Yes, that's very true, actually. I don't think it, for story reasons, I don't think that's, like, the gimmick. Like, yeah, you gotta be a real person. You gotta be <laughs> a real boy to come to Traverse Town. But that's that's my first, like, thought process. That's my first, like, this is the thing I go to. Is yeah, all, I'll like, buy that. Yeah. So, yeah, what... What do we think of old Simba? First of all, I think he was the perfect choice for, like, your first summon as, like, Definitely. a way to, like, hype you up. I do love Simba. In execution, Simba's pr- pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's boring. He's also just hard to use. I guess he's pretty ba- I Like, I don't want to put it down, but it is pretty basic. Uh, it is also very disappointing that... I mean, to be fair, so Simba... You Simba doesn't do anything. He doesn't attack enemies, does he? Unless you do a charge up. No. Okay. So yeah, he doesn't do anything unless you tell him to. I mean, to be fair, that is all of the. I'm thinking that's only all the KH1 summons, so not too bad. In further on in the series, they become more passive. So like, yeah, exactly. You can fight as per normal, and they'll fight, but then you can also issue them commands, and they'll do stuff. Whereas in one, yeah, they're literally besides the two pass the two. Strictly passive ones, they're all commands. Which, yep. So I guess that plays into what they were thinking when they were developing the summons. Proud War is pretty cool. It does require a charge-up, so it requires you not getting hit for a few seconds. Yeah, really. which is like a 50-50 shot if I can never actually get it to work, frankly. Exactly. And, and I realize the range is pretty The range is pretty big, and that's pretty cool. But, yeah. you know, the cons are, it requires a charge-up, and where we are in the story, doesn't have a lot of lasting power and not a whole lot of yeah like base summons are pretty i wouldn't say useless but they're they hit a pretty serious um ceiling cap in terms of usefulness just because they're not out for very long so like you said they'll be out for like five seconds especially if you actually do manage to get off the roars because that'll deplete his summon gauge so i think you could get like maybe two full roars in before he's like all right i'm outie bye so, I, summons are tied to MP power, right? So, for example, yeah. someone who chose Staff, Kevin, mm-hmm. and you're, I mean, you're going to have a little bit easier. I, better I just sit back and let my summons do the work for me. <laughs> but magic, magic, I guess summon power is tied directly to magic power, your magic stat, right? Yes, although it's kind of confusing because some equipment will specifically say also enhances magic and summon power. Which, yes. I'll, I'll have to take a closer look at this, but it kind of suggests that it's kind of got its own separate stat. But I don't think that's the case. Your max MP determines your the strength of your power. Yes. Seeing it this time, seeing it now, it kind of, because I also thought the same thing, is summon, is a summon stat a different stat? This time it kind of triggered, it kind of, I realized, I know, I think it's just, it's just part mm-hmm. of your magic. But that's, that's also why it mentions the summon power. It's like, hey, this improves your magic. Which means you summon power too, kid. Yep. Because if they didn't say that, I feel like we wouldn't pay attention to it, nor would we like care. I mean, care about it to be honest. Yeah, totally. 
I will say he's very useful in level one runs, like a lot of, from what I've seen, a lot of strats rely solely on him. That much I can, yeah, I can attest to too, I've seen a lot. Yeah, but he's okay. Is there a way to shorten the cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts 1 so you don't have to watch it every time? Don't think so. And so we can now, in, in the God's Year of 2021, and by that I mean in <laughs> in Final Mix... We're able to skip cutscenes, but I don't think you can skip the summon yeah. cutscenes. Or and I don't think there's an option to turn them off in like a weird ancillary menu. I feel like there is a way to just summon them instantly, mm. but I just don't know how to trigger it. It's very confusing. I don't know if it's like if you'd use them like in that world already or what, but I don't know. Maybe I'm making it up. I'm also thinking of the same thing, and I think... I can't tell if my memories are coming from one or two, to be honest with you. Yeah, and two, you could definitely turn it off. Which, so yeah, I might I might just be thinking of two. So so yeah, that's that's pretty much it for checking on old Merly G. That's my nickname for Merlin and the fairy godmother, but we're workshopping it. Oh, we should also mention those damn rocks in the water. <laughs> <laughs> the the hippo's lagoon has nothing on them in terms of no. most likely to fall in water. <laughs> yeah, this this has a very similar feel to it as the island at night reminds me of this, only because playing this back in the day on a a TV with not a limited brightness setting, it was oh, kind of yes. just like making jumps in the dark. Yeah, totally. Just like, like I hope I can I'm hope I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. It, the, Playing this an original of the PS2 was just, all right, I'm going to jump and I'm going to pray to God that there is uh, a rock there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it can be an asshole. So actually, before we go, uh, one thing interesting to note is if you, if you so much as think of stepping into that save point, Merlin will hound your ass. Like, no, 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 go, go see Sid. Make, make sure you stick to your tasks, Sora. Does he do that? Yeah, like he'll like tell you to go see Sid or something. Basically tell you like, get the hell out of here. But um, oh, okay. if you try to use the gummy ship or the save point, like the gummy ship option will be grayed out. So for some reason, the game wants you to manually leave the magician study and go back to the third district. For God knows what. We'll go ahead and do that. And we we get a Riku sighting. Dun, dun, dun. There you are. That's just what he says when he sees you. <laughs> yeah. This cutscene both annoys me and I enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. It does wreak you no favors in terms of making you want to like him and search for him. Yeah, I don't I don't care for his flippant attitude throughout this whole exchange. He's the bad boy. Yeah, so basically Riku is just completely underreacting to reuniting with Sora. And even when Sora asks, like, where's Kairi? He's just like, oh, I thought she was with you. I thought she was with you! And Sora's like, immediately, like, he like looks down sad, and Riku's like, yeah, I'm sure she's fine. Mm -hmm. So he's just being a dick this whole time. Just really dismissive and cocky, and I don't know if the idea is, okay, this is just Riku's normal personality, because he is the quote-unquote bad boy, or if... This is, you know, the darkness slowly creeping into him and, like, actually affecting his personality. Or if it's, like, he's, like, intentionally being coy with Sora because he's, one, a little bit jealous of his new pals, but also 
the whole Keyblade situation, because he does kind of, he'll take the Keyblade and he says, like, something like, oh, so this is a Keyblade? Like, to me, that's him, like, kind of, like, playing dumb. Like, no, you you know what a Keyblade is. You're just trying to act like you don't, so you don't, like, you know, let on uh, that you actually want the Keyblade. What do you think? Oh, I think it's just Riku being Riku. I think there's no, like, deception just behind it, especially kind of, like, reliving the first cutscenes and thinking of everything that happens on the islands. I feel like up until this point, this has just been at least teenage Riku's personality before he gets a, a big old attitude adjustment <laughs> later on in the game and in the series in general. I feel like just Riku being like, I'm the cool one, guys, and don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely valid, don't worry. But once again, Donald's the real one. He calls Riku out on his nonsense. Sora's like, so he could come with us, right? And Donald's like, no. And Sora's like, but he's my friend. And Donald says, I don't care. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, the Donald, best. that's Donald for you. <laughs> yeah, and then Riku just runs away like a little baby. What the hell, man? <laughs> like, you just reunited with your quote-unquote best friend. And then you just immediately disappear because I guess your feelings are hurt. And then Sora just has no reaction to this. He's just like, oh, well, at least we know he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, like, what do you mean? He just left you. You've been searching for him this whole time. Now he's like, as long as Riku's safe, he'll be fine. We kind of have a job to do, I guess. Uh. Yeah. So, like, both of their responses, Sora and Riku's, um, they're just very downplayed for some reason. And again, I don't know if it's just weird writing or if it was intentionally like that, but... It just comes off as very stiff and unnatural to me, like, especially if you look at, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 Sora, like, he would be much more upset that Riku showed up and then just immediately Oh, left. yeah. Oh, yeah. I did, uh, I did have an interesting thought during this interaction. Yes. Uh, Riku shows up, uh, I forget what his weapon is before it's a Keyblade, I think it's like Soul's Edge or Soul's Eye or Soul like Edge? I wanted to say Soul Eater, but... I think Soul Eater's right. Soul Edge, I'm, I'm probably thinking of Soul Calibur. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, it, it, yeah, it, it is Soul Eater. When it's in its little dagger form, basically. And that's also something we'll talk about, I guess, throughout the series of what the little dagger is. Yeah, is like it? where where the hell did he get that? Why does he have this, yeah. like, demonic weapon all of a sudden? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, what is it? Riku shows up. He slices with shadows. Him and Sora talk. Riku makes a comment like, oh, he makes a comment that basically says, oh, you're not as cool as me. And Sora slashes a shadow. Leave it he, to so, who? <laughs> exactly. Keyblade Master. And then Riku physically takes the Keyblade from him. Yes. Not magically, just physically. It was like, so this is a Keyblade, huh? And Sora was like, mm, that's my sword. What are you doing? It's like Riku just throws the Keyblade back to Sora and he catches it. Yeah. If there is there a particular reason, like anyone else who tries to wield the Keyblade, theoretically, it should return to its user. Like, it, it, it realizes your thumbprints are wrong, and it's, like, incorrect, incorrect, <laughs> and, you know, it gets, the, it gets the heck out of Dodge. But also, Riku can pick it up, and it, it doesn't automatically return to Sora. Yeah, that is interesting to note. Yeah, that might be, like, a subtle sign, actually, now that I think about it. Because, yeah, I'm thinking of any other time where someone out in Sora picks it up or takes it. It'll, it'll come back to him, although... It, it may be a question of whether it was Sora intentionally doing it or just kind of like a auto keyblade thing. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Just saying. It's also interesting to note how uh, anytime Riku uh, takes the keyblade, 
or a cutscene where he does that, the Keyblade will just revert back to Kingdom Key. Yes. I guess they want to avoid the sight of Riku holding a crab Keyblade. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually interesting to note. Like, what what cutscenes will revert Kingdom? Uh, will revert your Keyblade back to Kingdom Key? There's a few of them throughout the series. Actually, we'll note them as we stumble upon them. So you go back to Sid. Do you even go back to Sid? I guess you could go back to the bell, because he told you you could go to that only after delivering the book. Although, if you go into the abandoned room, I think you'll be able to see... I think at least Yuffie and Aerith will be there, if not Sid and Leon as well. Go there before this. It's just Aerith. When you go in there after going to dropping off the book, basically... The whole crew is going to be there. Yeah. Yes, because it's going to trigger the cutscene where uh, Maleficent is uh, talking with Riku. Yeah, I love how the start of that conversation is just said like, you ever heard of Maleficent? I hear she's in town. Just like, oh, like they're talking about the weather instead of like, oh, the, the mistress of all evil might be hanging out outside right now. Eh, but who really knows? Like, I feel like we should be more concerned about the situation here. Nah. And like, who... <laughs> Who told you she's in town? Are the Moogles, like, keeping tabs on her? Like, what? I, just, I just think it's funny how, like, <laughs> Melissa just has, like, a celebrity sighting, and everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, they mentioned, they mentioned Melissa, they mentioned their original world, they mentioned yes. Ansem. Okay, yeah, I, I was getting my wires crossed. I was I was thinking that they're like, Melissa is responsible for everything. But no, they, they, he does just make the comment. I hear, I hear the freaking Mistress of Evil is in town, guys. <laughs> Well, they they do explain that she's the reason why the Heartless are out here acting crazy. Or I guess so organized, maybe? Yeah, like, basically, she's the reason why our world was destroyed. Okay, so she's basically the reason Hollow Bastion got yeah. messed up. Okay. Yeah, like right. they definitely paint her as the quote-unquote big bad. <laughs> it's funny how the cutscene then cuts to Melissa and Riku talking... Right outside the window. Look gasp. And they can see perfectly inside Sora Dawn Gufir chatting. But for some reason, no one notices them. Like, they just need, like, a comically small tree to hide behind. And yes. that'll just make the scene in terms of how incognito they're being. But yeah, Melissa's totally pulling the, oh, look, he, he made new friends. He doesn't care about you anymore. You've been replaced, boy. <laughs> I guess he didn't have enough feathers. But yeah, Riku's totally buying it. But, you know, with his attitude thus far, like, Riku, can you, can you really be surprised that Sora replaced you? <laughs> have you earned his loyalty? Exactly. <laughs> it definitely feels like, we at this point, we haven't seen Riku and Maleficent interact. But it feels like, based on the prior conversation, she's at least told him a very little, or whispered sweet nothings about Sora and what he's doing mm-hmm. to get Riku to be on her side. Oh, totally. Yeah, she says, she's like, see, I told you, you should place two already. <laughs> Just the evil Kermit. So, yeah, at this point, I guess, I guess we can go on to check out the bell. Um, but real quick before that, I forgot to mention in the hotel. Uh, so in the green room, there's yes. one painting in particular of, it's kind of like a, a tree on a hill and it's dawn. So, when you look at that painting, tell me that does not look like the Tale of Iroh from Avatar. Oh, like outside Bossing Zay? Mm-hmm. Do you know which painting I'm talking about? I don't. It's like on the wall opposite 
the door to the red room kind of next to the exit out to the alley. I, I don't know the description off the top of my head, but you'll, you'll know when yeah. you see it. It's, it's literally just a hill, on t- a tree on top of a hill, kind of like overlooking the scenery. And yeah, it totally looks like that shot from um, Taylor Viro where he's, uh, he's under the tree and we won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I just think it's a reference to the, to the, to one tree hill, in my opinion. <laughs> if you want me to, if you want me to read into it. But yeah, check it out. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Now that that's out of the way, let's go check out that bell. Funnily enough, um, I'm a bad boy, and don't tell, yeah. but I I went to the bell before I went to return the book against Sid's orders. Uh, oh. So, so <laughs> describe to me what happens if you do this before going to Sid, then. Yeah, so it, it was after you get the book from Sid, because that's when the bell mm-hmm. rings. But yeah, you can, you can totally go to it right after that. So I, I don't know if I've ever actually done this before, or maybe it's just been a really long time and I don't remember, but yeah, you can climb up to the the bell tower, you can do the Red Trinity, and then you can pull, you can ring the bell, which I, I was surprised it let me go that far. I thought for sure there would be some sort of like, hmm, we should probably go return the book or just something. But yeah, then it activates the cutscene, and then the keyhole will just totally show up. So yeah. I was surprised. Like, I always assumed that would be, like, the final thing you do in the world, because it's the keyhole that's kind of, you know, the logical structure. But yeah, you yeah. can totally do it before, you know, turning the book, running into Riku, all that. Nothing really changes, though. Does does the keyhole still open up, and does the boss still show up? Yeah, it's it's it all happens, like, exactly like normal. Okay. Nothing changes. Oh, it's wow. Pretty crazy. But then if you think about it, like, it's... Nothing really depends on it, I guess... The only thing that would change slash fast forward is um uh like Yuffie and Aerith's dialogue in the old house will change to like, you know, thank you for stealing the keyhole slash oh wow, you got to see a keyhole, I'm so jealous, but they would have oh, said that just... anyway, so it just it just skips whatever their dialogue would have been before that, which it's just like the uh... overworld like text box dialogue, so it doesn't really matter. Exactly. It's not voice or or anything like that. So hmm. That's, that's kind of interesting, though. Because, yeah, the only trigger is getting the book from Sid and being like, Hey, that bell went off, kid! <laughs> yeah, again, like, I I do think that's cool, how you can just do the keyhole whenever, because that's a very obvious, like, okay, go to the bell and something will happen. But, yeah, yeah kind of the earlier bits. Specifically, like, getting the book from Sid and then figuring out where to take it gets, like, a little confusing... At least, you know, your first two playthroughs. Choose your own adventure, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yep, once we get the keyhole, which is one of the more interesting ones, definitely. There's, like, this structure by the fountain where the wall will shimmy into different murals. Uh, one of them is butterflies. I was, I was going to try and make the, the bell sound, but I don't think I can do it. <laughs> do 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 Something like that. <laughs> but yeah, you get all these different murals, and then the final one uh, is hiding the old keyhole, which again, like, which came first? This rotating block or the keyhole? Is the keyhole movable? Or do you have to build around the keyhole? Yeah, but I do like this one because it's so big, which is cool, and also, like, it'll just be there in the overworld. Like, you can run around and stuff, and it'll still be just, like, shining, whereas most of them only, they only appear in cutscenes. So that's cool. Yeah. 
you can even like leave the area and come back and it'll still be there, which is wacky. Yeah, you gotta go up to that keyhole. You're gonna you're gonna do your thing, but <gasps> not so fast. Cause A guess enemy approaches. Guess who's back, baby? Dun dun dun. It's guard armor, but without his friends. Yeah, we get a little guard armor tease, but he goes down much quicker than last time. But this isn't even his final form. <laughs> so, in a bit of ingenious design, the opposite armor is formed by turning the feet into hands and hands into feet. He's all, like, topsy-turvy. Yeah, it's a cool idea of, like, you know, kind of reusing the assets you already have, but doing it in a... putting a little spin on it. He took some, he took some uh, tips from the Trick Master. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they definitely have similar vibes. Opposite armor always seemed more difficult to me when i was younger but actually when you play him he's pretty manageable i don't know why i'm jittering him it's just a suit of armor yeah he's definitely harder than guard armor because just literally a, a, a tougher boss but it wasn't as bad as i remember i actually think he's easier than guard armor but that's oh. that's mostly because you just you're you know you're higher level you have so much more options like you have cure for example yeah and also the um, the battle arena, I think that might actually be it. Like, it's so much more spacious, so you have so much more room to, you know, run around and kind of avoid his attacks, whereas guard armor was very much, it was literally boxed in. So, like, if he's going to start spitting, you better start praying. I guess the dis- second district is, I mean, it's, it's the opposite of basic compared to our initial boss fight. It's, I mean, you have the entire second district to kind of run around if you so... Desire, I don't think I really left in front, well, I should say, I never never really left the area in front of the fountain. Like, I went back towards the Dalmatian house, but not, not like, in the actual alleyway. Mm-hmm. But you have, like, the entire arena to kind of, well, the second district has an arena to kind of mess around and do what you want to do. So you have, you have a lot more options. Can you, can you leave the second district during the fight? I would imagine no. But I probably should have tried that. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot more room to play around in. I feel like all of its attacks are just very easy to dodge because they're just so big and telegraphed. They definitely hit hard, but like the yes. chances of them hitting you are pretty low. I, I still got hit in this fight. I didn't get hit. I wasn't like boxed to a corner and like bludgeoned to death, but I definitely took a few hits in this fight. Yeah, I think I got like one or two... Um, I think I did go down to critical, so I had to heal. Really, what got me was, um, the main thing to be careful of is if you're focusing on other body parts, and it does the, like, laser orb thing, like, that can get you if you're not careful, because if you're not paying attention to it, it can just kind of snipe you. But other than that, like, yeah, I feel like body parts go out quicker, because you're both stronger, and you just have more options at your disposal. I did. Yeah. I did get off a, a few Sonic Blade. Did you float close enough to the the, uh, the ground to make Sonic Blade useful. Yeah, like um, okay. His little hand feet. I I don't know. One of the body parts, like <laughs> it kind of stays low to the ground. Um, I would I, definitely I, guess the feet. Then. Yeah. Or the hand feet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One th- interesting to know about Sonic Blade is again when i was a kid although you know what i'm not gonna blame myself for this one this is purely the game's fault i didn't realize you could keep following up the limits by pressing the action like the command like i thought it was just a one and done so i thought sonic blade was just one little just one and then that's it which is why 
I always thought it was completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> then later I realized, oh wait, you can actually... This command will light up again shortly after, and I can hit it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always take off Sonic Blade for this fight because I never feel like he's close enough to the ground personally to warrant wait, uh, using 2MP to zip zaps off everywhere. Yeah, I deliberately kept it on. I, I wanted to use it just so I could talk about it, but I'll probably take it off like immediately after this world because, yeah, in the next one, it's not going to be... Well, for the first half, it might be useful, but for the second, definitely not. Yeah, 100%. I don't have much to say about him, to be honest. I do think... I think he always seemed more intimidating because the music is intimidating. It's probably playing right now, because yeah. editing magic. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the orb attack is devastating if you... Because he, he fires like three in a row, so you have to be very careful. It's not deflectable, to my knowledge. The charge-up takes so long, though. <laughs> like, it's like... I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's very much like if you're fighting the the, the hand. Feet, exactly, like I was you don't saying. You notice the body charging up. You're gonna you're gonna be in for a bad time. Yeah. And then also his regular charge move for the torso just kind of uh, dry, like tries to drive by you. Basically, that can also that's like, I mean, I guess that is the point of guard armor and opposite armor is you have to kind of fo- you have to kind of rethink of where your focus is going to be, and try to keep an eye on everything because if you miss. If you're not thinking about it or you're looking in a different direction, another body part makes yep. them swing it in when you're not looking. Exactly. Yeah, like one of the hits that um, got me was the, like, this, the head spinning wheel of doom where he puts his head between the hands and then like kind of spins mm-hmm. at you. That one got me off screen. Just a kind of average yeah, boss. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not the worst. I would say I still enjoy the fight. Yeah, it, it is satisfying just because, yeah, you can't see how much you've grown because... It's an extension of the guard armor, so which would probably be yes. much tougher the first time you go through it. But now, like you can probably take them out much quicker than you yeah. did the the guard armor if you know what you're doing. And I feel like uh, the same reason we're talking about Jungle Key with Cerberus having Jungle King for this fight, where sometimes the boss can be out of reach. A little little yeah. extra oomph with Jungle King can help you out. Yeah, just in general, Jungle King's pretty clutch. Or like this whole kind of chunk of worlds, because and this one particularly in Traverse Town too, a lot of the enemies do the little floaty floats. So like you have a lot of the mages; those are kind of the main things you'll be fighting actually. But then on the second visit in Traverse Town, you get introduced to the air soldiers, which yeah, I guess we should talk about them. <laughs> yeah, uh, forgot forgot to mention them. Yeah, I have notes for the the enemies that showed up here. Ooh, nice. Okay. Um, so let's just wrap up opposite armor. So you beat him, you get arrow, which oh, I love arrow. Did I say it again, arrow? I said it right that time. You said you said arrow, correct. <laughs> not Iro, not Uncle Iro. <laughs> arrow, Aurora, Aroga. Yeah, it doesn't sound right when you go to the higher levels. I don't like it. I can I can attest to that. So yeah, you get that and it's very handy spell, not quite in the base form because it's a lot of MP for um I don't remember I think it affects how long it lasts when it upgrades right yes I, yes I believe so I, I think that and then it also buff your defense a little but don't quote me on that yeah it's it's a pretty nice spell to have right now when we get much later in the game it's gonna be uh, essentially like a good yeah totally now that that's out of the way we pretty much covered everything so yeah let's talk about the enemies so there's the air soldier Zer. Is there any other new ones that showed up except for 
I guess the Yellow Opera, but we kind of chatted about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this world, we do get Air Soldiers, we get Yellow Operas, and then we also get the Green Requiems. Those are our three new boys. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Green Requiems. Cool idea. They are lovers, not fighters. Exactly. They're, they're, I think, they are my favorite of the, of the, the little mages. They're most annoying because they are, I have to, ch- have to check while I'm talking about it, but they are resistant or immune to all magic. So you have yes. to hit them physically. Yeah, which is a nice touch. Except yes. for, well, not all magic, and, like uh, gravity can take them out, stop will stop them. And I, th- I think, yeah, like arrow, when it's offensive, will hurt them. So like all the other colored mages magic, fire, blizzard, thunder will do nothing. It absorbs the other mages' properties. So yeah, mm-hmm. it absorbs fire, absorbs bliver, bliver, blizzard, and absorbs thunder. Blipper, thunder. But then gravity and stopper per usual. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, they're little dudes. You basically can't snipe them. You have to hit them. Yes. I'm torn on the green requiems. I feel like I feel like they're never really a problem because they heal so infrequently. So like you can take them out pretty quickly before they'll you know, heal themselves or other heartless. And yeah, then the, the cool thing, I guess, we, I mean, we know, but we didn't mention it, is they don't attack you, they will just heal their friends. Yep, they have so, no attacks. They're cute, little cute boys, but yeah, they'll, I've noticed it now, I mean, I noticed it back then too, but also mainly now, they do either appear in swarms of mages, or really, with large bodies. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I don't think the, I... the things that take a while to, to knock down, so like... Yeah. Leave the requiem up, you know. A big boy may just stay big for a long time. Wouldn't it be cool? I think we may have even talked about this a little bit in an earlier episode, but like, imagine like a Kingdom Hearts Pokemon game with Heartless, or like kind of like a Fire Emblem Tactics type game where like you're a Mm -hmm. villain, like a Maleficent game, and you're like a manager Heartless. So like, you could pair the green requiems with your large body and then have them keep healing him and then have him do an attack the uh the pokemon conquest of kingdom hearts yeah <laughs> that'd be good stuff but yeah like i feel like they never really pose too much of a problem so like i i hesitate to say like they should have buffed them by like upping their healing rates but i could also see that getting very annoying very fast so yeah they're um... fine I guess we haven't. I had never had really a problem with them because when I see them, I kill them on sight, just because I yeah. don't want any. I don't want any shenanigans. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so that's that. Um, yellow operas are just yellow, and they do thunder. They're fine. Yeah, they're more. Well, no, they're uh, they're pretty sporadic. So I feel like red nocturnes kind of float around. Blue ones hop around. Yellows kind of like they. They're the uh, Energizer Bunny mages. They'll kind of like move around pretty erratically. Yeah, I was going to say the movement is very spastic, which can make them very annoying to hit. They do their job well. And then there's the air soldiers who, yep, much like the soldier, solid design. I like their little spinny hats and their goggles. <laughs> very fitting for the flying enemy. Exactly. I'm trying to think. They, are, they do feel like, I mean, now I'm thinking about it, thinking of their movements and their attack. They do feel like soldiers that just grew wings like they have the same mm-hmm. sort of like almost like marriott's marionette yeah motion to them they do have a i guess the the soldier has like the his little charge kick where like he'll like 
crouch down, then like do like a spinning kick. You got to be careful of. Yep. And the soldiers, air soldiers, is pretty similar. Like he'll back up and then just yes. Like, yeah, that attack can get you if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's pretty much it for Traverse Town. Although I. Again, I had a moment of misremembering. So if you decide to go to the accessory shop before heading Correct. out, you will you will meet a friend who I always remembered as you would only see him after finishing the next world. But no, that's not true. You can find him as soon as, I guess, mm-hmm. sealing the keyhole might be the trigger. Yes. Past Kevin was wrong. <laughs> this Kevin is right. Yeah. It's Pinocchio, Kyokyo, Kyokyo, Kyokyo. But no! Yeah, Pinocchio's here. Yeah. So actually, even before you run Pinocchio, the accessory shop will change because Sid goes to his real job, which we should also mention from Opposite Armor, you'll get a Navi G piece, which is kind of confusing to me that, like, Sid's installing the ones you already had, and then you just immediately get another, and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, is it a Navi G piece or a warp piece? It's a Navi G piece. He throws in the warp G piece for free, because that's how how he does business. But yeah, now that Sid's doing his thing, uh, we get Melvin in the shop. (laughs) We should mention, Melvin is not the canon name, but the name that... I think you were saying you, you he looks like a Melvin. Yeah, totally. He has a fun little line of dialogue where if you choose the I want to chat option, sort of buy or sell, he'll like say something like, oh, like, what do you mean you saw someone who looked like me earlier? Hmm, he must be thinking yes. of someone else. I think you mentioned that either in our Traverser episode or like as an aside somewhere else, because I, I came across that dialogue this time and I was like, I, you know, I was the, the meme of like point and click. I'm like, wait a minute. I remember this. <laughs> But I only remember purely because you're the one who told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New shopkeeps in town. Then, I mean, even before this, I never really used the accessory shop. But after this, I you'll never get my uh, my business. <laughs> well, what do, what do they sell? They sell they sell accessories. So like, there's your I think your fire chain, your blizzard chain, your thunder chain. It's I don't think it's called dark chain. I think it's something else. I know, oh, maybe it's a mega arc. Yeah. And, and an ability stud, I believe. I think so. But, like, all things you can either find in chests or synthesize for much better results. Yeah, I would say by the time we come back, by the time we're here in this revisit, the accessory shop has basically reached its redundancy. Pretty much. Like, I was actually looking at my equipment because I noticed Goofy doesn't have any. So I guess I could buy a few extra things for him. But, like, you're going to be swimming in equipment pretty soon. So, yeah, this is, like... The window of usefulness for the accessory shop. I did have, I have, uh, and bless my boy Goofy with, with his lucky strike, or jackpot, whichever one comes for, uh, probably, probably jackpot. I, I think it is jackpot. I've gotten a lot of protect chain drops, actually. So oh, nice. You boys swimming in protect chains. I think <laughs> by the time we had finished Wonderland, everyone was wearing a protect or protect era chain at the very least. Okay. Like, everyone was maxed out. I mean, maxed out, everyone has two equipment slots at the start of the game. Yeah. Or two accessory shops. Two accessory slots at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And by the time Wonderland hit, I think we, I had, everyone had at least two pieces on them, and then I had stuff in excess as well. Yep. So yeah, let's go see what Pinocchio's all about. So, before Pinocchio shows up, if you talk to Sid, he'll have this... He'll mention offhandedly, and I think I'm going crazy. Things are disappearing around the shop. And we find out why 
It's this little wooden punk. Little bastard? Yeah, taking things that don't belong to him, like some kind of wild animal. Yeah, he explains he's looking for stuff to, I guess, build a gummy ship for to rescue Geppetto, but the whole Pinocchio sub-story is very confusing. So it's like, how did Pinocchio get to Traverse Town versus Monstro? And then how does he then go back to Monstro? <laughs> yeah. Also... You could, I guess, most, I wouldn't say most people, you could actually totally miss this cutscene. Yeah, I usually do. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you know if it has any implications further down, like when we go into Monstro? No, because, well, we'll talk about it more in Monstro, but yeah, when you show up there, they just proceed business as usual as if you already know who Pinocchio is. So, it's, it's yeah, yeah okay. it's weird. Like, you'd think it would line up for when you get the synthesis, access to the synthesis, synthesis shop because you would have to run into him. But I'm pretty sure yeah. after you finish Agrabah, he gone. Yes. So again, just another weird bit of timing on Traverse Town's part. Yeah. Well, well, well I guess we can buy gummies from Sid. Although at this point, dep- it depends on where your money is. I've been buying weapons for the boys. So I, I wasn't flush with cash, but I also wasn't poor. And there were, I guess I personally... Well... I shouldn't say I bought any. I didn't buy any gummies from Sid because I merely bought a CPU and a com upgrade and said, "Cool, I'm not spending any more money." Because <laughs> I had like maybe a thousand, maybe like I think there's fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred money left, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna hold on to this." Yeah, I'm. I'm sitting on top of my pile of gold like a dragon. <laughs> never spend any of it. But yeah, Pinocchio is basically looking to help Geppetto, and then Jiminy just volunteers us to help. (laughs) And I like how, again, there's like all these nice little moments in the early game where Sora's not really interested in being a hero. So Jiminy's like, "Uh, shall we go, Sora, to like help Pinocchio, basically? And then Sora has a sign where he says... You could have asked us first. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom Hearts wants Sora. Like, he's just a real person. Like, yeah, it is kind of annoying how you just volunteered us for this entire side quest without even talking about it first. Whereas any other Sora would have been like, he would have practically stepped on Jiminy to be like, to just volunteer themselves yeah. as soon as they met Pinocchio. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. That's pretty much it. We're going to apparently come back here for better weapons and yep. gummy parts, if you so desire. I don't think there's really much more to add. I'm trying to think later on, like, is there any other usage we didn't cover? I mean, well, so we'll come back here. I mean, to say the obvious, we'll come back here to replenish our summon gems. So when we find a new friend, we can bring them back to life. We're going to come back periodically for the torn pages for project wood but we'll we will cover 100 acre wood in its entirety in its own episode so we'll get to that one when we get to it but that's yep. i think it's really those three weapon shop gummy shop um the book and i guess merlin's study as a whole so books and summon gems really mm-hmm. i guess dalmatians too actually now that we i mean we've already talked about the dalmatians and i think that's I'll really talk about them, but, you know, as you find Dalmatians in the wild, don't forget to come back and redeem rewards at the Dalmatian house. Yes. Uh, and we, yeah. Most of them are gummies, but there are a few good, rare synthesis materials, so mm-hmm. be sure to find them all, and there is a very, very good reward for getting all of the Dalmatians. Later. Yes, definitely. 
Yeah, I have a few just kind of random notes on just the overall like design of Traverse Town and like the atmosphere, but I think we can kind of touch on that kind of stuff during a later episode. With that chapter closed, yeah, we're pretty much finished with the first third of the game. Literally, because yeah. now with the new Gummy Navi G, you enter like a whole new sector on the world map, which is very much signifies the mid game. I think after we finish the next world is when the game really opens up. So we're, we're almost there. So. Just one more yeah. push, basically. <laughs> Not to say it hasn't been enjoyable so far. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. But now things are, you know, the car is really starting to gain some steam, I think, here. When it opens up a little bit. Uh, we also have based warp drive now, thank God. Yes. Uh, life changer. So when f- things happen, like, you have to go to the Coliseum for a fight, which we won't touch up on now. But mm-hmm. they, once you do seal the Traverse Star and Keyhole, Chip and Dale do mention that there is a new... Uh, there is a new uh, game at the Coliseum. Yes, I, I did finish that just because I figured why not. But we'll actually talk about it later. But yeah, uh, next time we will be discussing Agrabah based on a little movie known as Aladdin. A lot of interesting things happen in this world, so stay tuned. It should be a good one. Look forward to Agrabah. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Kingdom Hearts by Heart. And before we sign off... Uh, we have an exciting announcement. Uh, so now that we're... Exciting announcement? Now that we've got a, a few episodes under our belt, and hopefully a few regular listeners, we we have an email now. So you e- can... Electronic mail! Uh, a gummy mail. <laughs> <laughs> so you can reach out to us with any any questions you have, or any any of your own hot takes, or, you know, just your general thoughts on the worlds as we go through them or just to say hi if you want to reach out to us you can email us at khbhpodcast at gmail.com that's khbhpodcast at pod or at gmail.com uh wait what is it that's kilo beta what's h what's h in the phonetic alphabet horse no, that doesn't make sense. It's Kilo Beta Horse. Oh, I forgot our own initials. K-H-B-H. <laughs> K-H-B-H. So two horses. <laughs> Kilo Heart Balthazar Harangatane. That's K-H-B-H podcast at gmail.com. It's in the episode description. You can figure it out. But yeah, reach out to us. Uh, I'd love to... You know, maybe start a, a new, like, you know, Q&A section at the end, maybe? Yeah, depending depending on what responses I think we get, we can definitely allocate a little bit of game corner slash pre-discussion with here is maybe, like, some talk about last episode. So, you know, these people had some opinions on Traverse Town or Agrabah or, the you know, what, what we last recorded, essentially. Yeah, especially if... You know, there are certain details that you appreciate or just notice that we didn't touch on. Um, we'd love to hear that because I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that we've missed and that you're yelling at your phone for us being so stupid. So, yeah, tell us how. Tell us um, how little we truly understand. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. I'm just so grateful for all these listeners. And we'll we'll see you next time to the Gummy Ship 
And away. Is it is it away Woo! or beyond? I already forgot. I think Gummy Sorry. Ship and Beyond is what we've been saying. To the Gummy Ship and Beyond. No, I think I it's mean, away. Oh! I think it's away though. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'll check the tape. To the Gummy Ship and to the Gummy Ship and somewhere. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you.